0: The Williams College Purple Cows. The Campbell College Fighting Camels. The Earlham College Hustling Quakers. The North Carolina School of the Arts Fighting Pickles. And the University of California Santa Cruz Banana Slugs. A handful of the strangest nicknames in college sports in the UK they don't have the same intensity of university athletics as here but what they lack in imaginative college names they more than make up for in military mascots adopting an animal as a symbol of regimental pride goes back several hundred years and has taken on the kind of eccentric proportions that you would expect from the British So, every regiment of the British Armed Forces has its own mascot from Shetland ponies to Irish wolfhounds, goats, tortoises, antelopes. Uh, There's even a battalion of the Yorkshire Regiment that has a ferret as its mascot. But what happens when you have a reorganisation of the military and you combine two regiments, each with a long and noble tradition and each with a dearly loved mascot? Well, you get the kind of unseemly conflict that occurred recently when the British Army merged the Staffordshire Regiment with the Derbyshire Regiment. The Staffordshire's mascot was, as you might guess, a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. And, as you'd expect, he'd strut around the parade ground with his chest thrust out, daring enemies, foreign and domestic, to attack his regiment. And pitted against this fearsome-looking dog was the mascot of the Derbyshire Regiment, a Swaledale Ram. A magnificent-looking beast with thick white fleece and a formidable set of curled horns. Now, in a fight between a 200-pound ram and a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, I'm not sure where my money is... In the end, it fell to the Ministry of Defence to vote one of these noble creatures off the island, and they chose to keep the ram and ditch the dog for one compelling reason. In Germany, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier is a banned breed. And if the British Army showed up for NATO operations on the Rhine with an illegal dog, it would cause a diplomatic incident. Now, the good people of Staffordshire were not pleased with Her Majesty's Ministry of Defence, uh, or for that matter, NATO. One soldier of the regiment complained to a national newspaper about the merger. They have taken our traditions, our cap badge, and our status. Now they are taking our dog as well. Besides anything else, rams are rubbish on parade. A dog will obey a word of command, but a ram will not. It will be a shambles. And he has a point sheep are rubbish at stuff. They don't obey orders, they're not bright enough. As I was preparing this sermon, I found myself wondering if there is anywhere in God's creation a mammal quite so defenceless as a sheep. They have no natural defence mechanisms, no claws, no sharp teeth, no armour. They can't dig holes to escape predators. They don't climb trees to avoid becoming lunch. They can't run fast, and their white camouflage in a lush green field is completely pathetic. They don't spray noxious substances like skunks. They don't spit chemical weaponry like llamas. They can't overpower predators by their sheer size and weight. The only thing going for them on defence is horns, and only half of them have those And in my experience of walking through the English countryside, even if a sheep does have horns, it will still run away as you approach it. Then there's that herd behaviour, which means that instead of just one sheep wandering off and getting into trouble, an entire flock will do it. So when we graze the fields of scripture and discover the image of sheep and shepherds as we do in this morning's gospel lesson and psalm we instinctively get the point. Human beings are like sheep. We are vulnerable, prone to getting lost and in a spiritual sense not very smart. Sometimes we need rescuing. We crave a guardian we are born with fatal flaws. Puffed up with our own self-importance, we think we are masters and mistresses of our own destiny, but it doesn't take much to show us that we are, in fact, very small and very powerless. Just when we think we have the answers to life, the universe and everything, something happens to show us the humiliating truth. We organise our lives to limit the risk of accidents, but we have no power over the laws of nature or the actions of other people. We can predict the weather, but we can't control it. We understand how earthquakes happen, but we can't prevent them. We can prolong life, but we can't avoid death. We can create wealth, but are unable to manage it so that everyone on earth has enough. We can split the atom, but we are powerless to resist the urge to apply that knowledge in a way that can destroy the planet. There's so much we can do, and yet we remain powerless to change ourselves. We can conquer space, but not our hearts. We are armed to the teeth, yet imprisoned by fear of things we cannot even see without a microscope. We can tame all kinds of animals, but we can't tame our tongues. We perform heroic deeds of sacrifice and love, but also act with unspeakable cruelty. Human sheep get lost. We wander off. We make decisions that cause ourselves harm. We tend to follow each other, even if that's over the edge of a cliff. When David likens himself to a sheep in Psalm 23, and when Jesus calls his followers sheep in John 10, they are not insulting us, they're just telling it straight. We human sheep need a shepherd, a good shepherd. Someone who is not just powerful to protect us, but knows us by name, cares for us, loves us, even lays down his life for us. Last May, in San Francisco, Galind and I encountered a lost sheep. Of course, we're all lost in our own unique ways, but this sheep's lostness was chillingly obvious. He had gone beyond the point of being able to hide it the way the rest of us managed to do. It was a beautiful spring morning in the city named after a saint famous for his love of all God's creatures. But our sunny downtown stroll in the city of St. Francis was punctured by commotion. A man running, a small gaggle of people gathered around we knew not what, but all looking at the ground, some waving, others shouting, one on a cell phone. The running man had the look of street weariness about him shirtless, muscular, wearing denim shorts and accompanied by a nondescript dog who also bore the signs of life on the street. The commotion made us disoriented and disturbed. The shirtless man was now running away from the gaggle towards a black leather bag in the style that doctors carried in the days when they used to make house calls. By now, we were just a few feet from the huddle and we could see the lost sheep lying unconscious on the stone pavement. If he had been awake and standing and wearing a suit and tie, he would have given the impression of a sheep that was anything but lost. His hair was tidy, his face well-groomed, his demeanour visible even in his coma, that of someone who very recently had had control of his life but it was tragically clear now that control had been stolen, prized out of his hands and his mind by an assailant that rampages its way through cities and villages, rich and poor, young and old. Galind took the dog of the shirtless man while I mumbled that I was a priest and asked if there was anything I could do, words that failed to produce a response from anyone. He's not breathing, someone said. Hit him, ordered another. And with that, the shirtless man opened his doctor's bag, removed a syringe and injected the lost sheep in the stomach. Not enough, hit him again, demanded another voice. And the shirtless man obeyed. And instantly, life was restored just as an ambulance arrived and lifted the still unconscious sheep into a gurney and sped him to the hospital. That day, we learnt about Narcan, the drug that saves the lives of people who have overdosed on heroin, and we met the Narcan angel That's what we named the shirtless man who, it seems, patrols the city centre of San Francisco, a dog's lead in one hand and a doctor's bag in another, searching for lost sheep. We wish we could have talked to him, listened to his story, shared his heart, but he vanished. We looked around to see where he went, but we never saw him again And so maybe the Narcan angel really was an angel. Whether he was or not, one thing is certain. He painted a vivid picture of our Good Shepherd, Jesus, searching for lost sheep to rescue. Today, along with every fourth Sunday of Easter, is Good Shepherd Sunday. So let's take a relaxing stroll through green pastures beside still waters. Let's have our souls revived and guided along right pathways. Let us take courage that we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. Let's sit at table, have our heads anointed with oil and watch as our cups are filled to overflowing. Let's do this because the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not be in want. He is with us. His rod and his staff comfort us. Surely goodness and mercy like two little dogs shall follow us all the days of our lives. And as if that was not enough, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Not for Nothing is number 23, the most famous and best loved psalm in scripture. It drips with honey. It oozes serenity. It is a lavish poem about God's abundant love for us, his wayward sheep. And it is intensely personal. It contains 17 first-person singular pronouns, I, me, my, my. 17 of them, and the entire poem is just six sentences long. One of the problems with sheep is that they don't know when you're trying to help them. They run from vets whose only motive is compassion, whose only intention is healing. That's another characteristic that we human sheep share with the woolly variety, We run from the Good Shepherd. We fear his anger, dread his punishment. We resent his love, we resist his guidance. What a tragedy. What a waste of energy and time. My plea to you this morning is that if you are lost in any way, if you feel like life has lifted you up and dropped you in a strange and bewildering land like Dorothy's tornado-struck house in the Wizard of Oz, then allow yourself to be found. This may not be Kansas anymore, Toto, but make no mistake, the Good Shepherd will search for you. He will never give up. He will trudge up hill and down dale, scaling cliff faces and exploring caves. He'll fend off wild animals and brave hostile weather. But he will not stop searching for you. Maybe you don't need rescuing right now. Perhaps you're a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, safe at home, faithfully enjoying your master. But hear the word of the Lord to you if, like many of us, you have friends and family members who are lost. We worry about them. Their safety, their health, their relationships, their job prospects, their ability to find a place in this world. This morning, let's take heart renew our faith in the determined, tenacious love of the good shepherd who loves your lost friend or family member and even now is searching and let's ask for the gift of faith that as we pray for them so in the fullness of God's perfect timing they will be found their cups will overflow their table will creak with rich food And they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.